And my name is Ray. And you are listening to Gore Report, a true crime podcast. Yay! <laughs> yay! Yay! If this is your first time tuning in with us, then welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. We're glad to have you. And if you are a returning listener, then double welcome. Yes. Double the welcome. Double the welcome. Triple, triple the welcome. Triple the welcome. Qu- quadrupled the welcome. <laughs> We won't stop if we don't force ourselves to stop. So with that note, I'm just going to move on. We hope you're having a good day and a good week and, and a, a good, good life. Uh, yep. Extra again for the third week in a row. That's yeah. completely fine. But we are always wishing you the best no matter where you are or what you're doing. That's just how it is. If you've been here for a while, then you know the drill. Yeah. So So what is the drill? <laughs> Honestly, you just asked me that, and I I don't know. Panic is the drill. That's the drill. Everybody panic. <laughs> we're using the buddy system, though. <laughs> like, because we're here together, we're at least using the buddy system, and I know that's a part of the drill. Other than that, I don't really know. Uh, other than having existential crises. <laughs> Stop it. You're going to make me holler. <laughs> We don't really have a lot of business to unpack. I kind of just want to get right into things because, woo-wee, this one is rough. This Uh, one's definitely rough. No. Yeah. So today's episode is yet another incredibly shocking and heartbreaking case. And this one in particular is one of those cases for me where, like, I learned about it and it just kind of, I don't know, it stuck with me a bit. I have no real words for it. Okay. This case is just, uh... It's absolutely savage. And there's some elements in this case that really hit a little close to home for me. So in turn, I had a pretty rough time researching this one. But nonetheless, I feel like it's definitely a case that needs to be talked about. Um, And I could be wrong about this, but I don't think I've heard any other podcast cover this case. Like, at all. Ooh. Yeah, so again, I could be wrong about that, but I honestly haven't seen a great deal of coverage on this story, and it kind of baffles me that there's not more coverage about this, because uh, you'll you'll see what I mean when we get through everything. Oh, okay, I got you. We're going to be talking about the case of Nicholas Starling. Are you familiar with this one? Mm-mm. Well, that's not good. That's very unfortunate for you. <laughs> do, okay, so do I need to strap my asshole in now? Should I cushion it with a pillow? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I would say so. All of you strap in your assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, you not knowing this case and going in blind is quite unfortunate because, again, I've made it pretty clear it's, uh, it's a rough one. So, Nicholas Starling, he was only 16 years old when he brutally murdered his 14-year-old brother, Harley Starling. The murder happened on the night of October 30th, 2016 in Springfield, Ohio, and it's absolutely one of the most violent murder cases I've ever learned about, like truly. And it's especially one of the most violent cases of a child killing another child that I've ever learned about, period. What is it with us here lately? We've been covering a lot of child stories. 
I don't understand. I don't know. I honestly don't know because I hate cases where children are the victims in brutal crime or any kind of crime. That is like the bane of my existence. Yeah. Like truly it is. I hate covering stories with children involved. I mean, it's just, it weighs on your heart a little more. But for whatever reason, that's just what we've been doing. I can't really <laughs> explain it. It's not going to be fun today, you guys. So kind of, you know, prepare yourselves. I would say sit back, relax, and grab your snack. <laughs> but you might need an emotional support animal or maybe a comfy pillow. Whatever you might need to calm thy nerves. <laughs> Any of the sort. Get it now while the getting's good because it's about to be bad and we're going in. Oh, shit. We're going to start with what little background information I have regarding the early lives of both Harley and Nicholas. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that through my research of this case, I couldn't find a whole lot of information about their lives before this incident happened. The bulk of information that is out there that I could find is surrounding the actual crime itself and what happened afterwards. Okay. Uh, but I'm still going to give you what I could find. Right. So let's start with Harley. Harley Starling was born on August 12th, 2002 in Dayton. Ohio. His parents are Ernest Starling Jr. and Antoinette Lancone. Mm -hmm. Harley has two older brothers, Nicholas and Derek. Harley was described by his family and friends as being incredibly smart and uplifting. He was the kind of kid who genuinely cared for the feelings of others. As I put this episode together, I watched a couple of news clips that featured some of Harley's schoolmates speaking about his loss. Mm -hmm. And something that was said time and time again is how Harley always tried to cheer up those around him. The following quote is from Savannah Markham, who was a classmate of Harley's, and she said, quote, Even if I was in the worst mood, if I was depressed, if I was mad, Harley would always try to make a smile, end Aww. quote. So this is just a singular example of how Harley's kindness had a profound effect on the people around him. When he saw that someone was sad or just feeling down in the dumps, Harley would make it a point to tend to those people by helping them laugh, and that's a trait that everyone loved and cherished about Harley. And sadly, it's also a trait that everyone misses deeply. Oh, man. Harley was extremely kind to others. He had a strong love for playing video games, uh, repairing broken things, especially cars. He was really into that. Ooh. And Harley loved to spend time with his friends and his family. In 2016, when the events of this case took place, Harley was only 14 years old and a ninth grade student at Springfield High School in Springfield, Ohio. Just starting to become a young adult. Right. He's, he's a baby. He was a baby. Now, when it comes to Nicholas Starling... I don't have as much information about him. The only reason I was able to find the information I had about Harley is because I read his obituary. And I also went through and watched a lot of news clips from the case, as I said earlier. Yeah. These things are easily accessible online, but none of that same information is out there about Nicholas or their older brother, Derek. None that I could find anyways. I couldn't even find Nicholas's birth date. Really? Yeah, and I hate that because I dug and I dug and I just couldn't find it. I seriously couldn't wow. find it. But given that Nicholas is two years older than Harley, I'd say Nicholas was born in 1999 or 2000. Mm -hmm. Because Nicholas was 16 years old in 2016 when everything happened. So, you know, do the math. Yeah. Uh, I just still unfortunately don't have an exact date. Gotcha. For you guys. And even though I know Derek is the oldest of the three Starling children, 
I also don't know his exact birthday, and I don't know exactly how much older he is than Nicholas and Harley. There's actually hardly anything about Derek out there at all, as far as I could find, let me say. Right. I mean, we do have a lot of cases that are like that. Sometimes there's just a lack of information, and like I said, I dug, I exhausted my sources, I really put effort into trying to find it, because you know I'm a perfectionist, I like to have my dates and everything, but I just, I couldn't find it. That's like something that I couldn't account for, well, unfortunately. a lot of that also depends on whether or not the case has been sealed to a certain degree as well. Right. Because I just recently found out that causes a lack of information, so... True. That is very true. Something to take into account. But something that I do know um, about Nicholas and Harley, they grew up with their parents in Ohio, eventually moving out to Springfield. It's kind of unclear as to what kind of life the kids had at home. There's definitely some speculation out there. I read a few sources that said it was believed that Harley and Nicholas had a rough upbringing, but it's hard to say for fact because we just don't know. Right. The next thing that I know for sure is that in 2014, something very traumatic happened to Nicholas and Harley and Derek. That being their father, Ernest Starling, he was murdered. Oh, wow. Ernest was visiting the home of a woman in Springfield when all of a sudden this woman's estranged husband just barged into the house unexpectedly, and he found the two of them. This man's name was Chris Fonzie, and when he discovered Ernest in the house... He chased him out of the house with a gun, and then Chris proceeded to shoot Ernest to death in the street. Damn. So, yeah, it's pretty rough. When Chris heard the police sirens, he got in his car and attempted to flee the scene. And before police could actually pull him over and arrest him, Chris stopped his car abruptly, turned the gun on himself, and took his own life. Wow. Yeah, so there was never an arrest or any charges pressed, uh, no justice for Ernest. I mean, the whole situation is very tragic. We don't know the full context of the situation that happened that day either, you know, Mm -hmm. with Ernest visiting this woman. You know, I had sources that did say that Chris Fonzie was the, quote, estranged husband, like I said. So I don't really know what that means. Like, were they divorced? I'm just not sure. For all we know, Ernest could have been visiting a friend. You know what I'm saying? estranged means that they're normally separated or divorced. Either way, whatever the case may be, Ernest didn't deserve to be shot to death in the middle of the street. Right. Uh, That's something that I can take from this. It sounds like he was just over there visiting a friend and this dude got the wrong idea and just came in guns blazing. Explosive rage. I mean, we just don't know. And his death really broke his home up. But tell me you jumped to conclusions without telling me you jumped to conclusions. (laughs) (laughs) You better really fucking stop. (laughs) But uh, as I just said, Ernest, his death really broke his home up. Yeah. I'm sure that the murder of their father had a horribly negative impact on both Harley and Nicholas and Derek, too. It's unclear as to where Derek was when this incident happened. I don't know if maybe he was old enough to have moved away from home at Mm -hmm. that point. I'm not really sure. But Nicholas and Harley were still living at home when it happened. Yeah. So they had to go through seeing their dad one day and then he's just gone the next and for him to be taken in such a violent and tragic way 
I mean, I couldn't imagine what that would feel like. Like, I couldn't imagine what these boys felt as a result of that. And as I was saying earlier in the intro, you know, this case kind of hits home to me in a a few ways. And I don't mean that, you know, I've been through anything like this because I haven't. I definitely haven't. But I try to put myself in Harley and Nicholas's shoes. I lost my dad in 2016. And, you know, the feeling of losing a parent is something I can't describe now given my dad was not murdered and I didn't really have a close relationship with him, but even then it still hurts and it brings a whole slew of emotions that are not easy to process. Mm -hmm. So I look at my own experience and how losing my dad impacted me. And then I think about the case with Harley and Nicholas and I try to imagine how they felt losing their dad in such a horrific way. You know, I couldn't imagine that. And it's still unknown as to what kind of relationship that they had with their dad. You know, like I said earlier, details surrounding the home life of these boys are unknown. The boy's grandmother, her name is Jonah. When she was being questioned by police, she said that Harley and Nicholas definitely had their fair share of hardships. She said that she found out that Nicholas and Harley weren't allowed to have friends back home of any kind. They couldn't go out and do things with other people or have friends over, just like none of that stuff. So from the picture that I'm gathering, these boys have had a pretty rough upbringing, but it's, you know, one of those things, if I don't have specifics, I'm not going to put specifics to it. But either way, their dad was murdered, and I just... It breaks my heart thinking about the impact that that had on them, especially if they were close to their dad. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just one of those things that I can't help but think about. The home did kind of suffer a bit after Ernest died. Evidently, the boy's mother just kind of fell off. And this led to Nicholas and Harley going to live with their paternal grandmother and her boyfriend in that same year of 2014. They went to live with Jonah, the woman I mentioned earlier. That's their paternal grandmother. And her boyfriend's name is Victorino. They lived out in Springfield. Okay. So the boys would live with Jonah for two years because, again, they moved there in 2014 and the events of this case happened in 2016. And that's what we're about to get into. So buckle up, everybody. Oh, no. So now I'm going to take us to the day of October 30th, 2016. Harley, Nicholas, and Jonah and Victorino were celebrating the spooky season. It's all Hollow's Eve. Yes. Orange, red, and brown leaves are scattered everywhere. The yes. air is chilly. Yes. The family was spending their time indoors watching a series of horror movies that included Paranormal Activity and The Eye. Man, I, that's one of my favorite <laughs> Halloween activities. Sitting around yes. watching spooky shit. Like, yeah. same. That's totally what I love to do. I mean, it's Halloween year-round for me. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I mean, so, yeah. so we do this shit <laughs> casually, but it does hit a little different when you're doing it in spooky season. It's just, it's different. Right. After the movie marathon was over, Jonah told both of her grandsons that she loved them, and then everyone went to bed. Jonah had no idea that this was the last time she was going to see her youngest grandson, Harley, alive. Man. So Jonah slept pretty normally through the night, although she did wake up a few times because she heard someone walking through the house. Jonah had a monitor in her bedroom where she could see the whole house through security cameras. She saw on this monitor that it was Nicholas who was awake and walking through the house. So Jonah kind of, you know, noticed this and then she fell back asleep. Yeah, like not thinking anything of it. Right. No need to be alarmed. It's just my grandson. Early the following morning on Halloween, Jonah got up and she asked Nicholas to go and wake up Harley. And when Nicholas got to Harley's door, he said that it was locked. So Jonah had to get her key to unlock the door. And when she walked into the bedroom with Nicholas, they found something pretty fucking horrifying. They found Harley 
and it was a scene straight out of a horror movie. He was dead in his bed. And he had his blanket pulled up over his face. And when Jonah pulled the blanket back, she saw blood everywhere. All oh, wow. over Harley's arms, his neck, his face, his chest. Just, he was laying in pools of blood. So Jonah immediately panicked and she rushed to the phone to call 911. I'm going to play a small snippet of this 911 call for you. But before I do that, I want to give some credit to the YouTube channel Explore with us. If you're into true crime, then you more than likely watch their channel. I, love I channel. yes, I absolutely love their videos. But I had to sample the 911 call from their video on this case. I tried my hardest to find the original audio of the call, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So thank you, Explore With Us, for providing this snippet for me. <laughs> I'm going to leave a link to their video in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. They covered this extremely well. But anyways, back to the 911 call. I'm going to play the clip for you now. My grandson evidently killed himself last night. He's cold. You can't move him. Okay, do you know what happened? No, I don't. His head is back. His eyes are open. Had his head covered. His head was covered? Yeah, he had the blanket up over his, his face. Did, were there any weapons around or anything? I don't know if he was playing with fake blood or what. There's stuff. There's like the fake blood stuff all over his arm and up around his shoulder. And you said his eyes are open too? Yes. I shook him because I was trying to wake him up. His dad just died two years ago. Okay. Are there any guns in the house that you know of? Yes, but he, he can't get to them. Okay. Do you live here with them, or how? They live with me. They've lived with me since their dad. And what was... And it was in November. Did you hear anything weird last night or anything? No. Okay. He just went to bed, and that was it. So she was, like, a lot calmer than I ever could have been in that situation. Right, right. It's incredibly chilling. And even though the word was bleeped out like in the beginning jonah was saying in the beginning of the call that she thought harley had killed himself um oh. i think it yeah i think it's pretty clear by listening to jonah's voice like yeah she's calm but she's also in fucking shock by the situation you know yeah. she even said on the call that she thought maybe harley was covered in fake blood like a halloween prank or something yeah and before we jump and judge this woman keep in mind that just minutes before she made that call that she walked into her grandson's bedroom and found him brutally murdered so yeah. you know she's in shock and i wouldn't have a clue as to how my brain would process something like that if i saw it that's probably how her brain was trying to cope with the shock her brain's telling her like you know it's fake it's fake like it can't be real you know yeah. what i'm saying it, i mean it's chilling police are dispatched to the scene and detectives got to work pretty quickly questioning everyone that was present in the home the night before mm -hmm. the first to be questioned was jonah and she recounted to the detective her side of events she talked about how everyone had fun watching horror movies the night before she said that she told Harley and Nicholas that she loved them and that everyone was fine and it was getting along. Everyone just went to bed. She told the detectives about how she was woken up by Nicholas walking through the house and into the bathroom in the middle of the night. And then she recounts waking up, coming out of her room in the early morning around 5, 5.30 a.m. And Nicholas was up and that's when she asked Nicholas to go wake up Harley. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the horrific discovery that happened afterwards. Something odd that Jonah did mention, though, is how when her and Nicholas went into Harley's room, 
that Nicholas's attention immediately went to the window in the room being slightly opened. His attention was immediately like, oh, this, this window's open. I need to close it. Like his attention did not go to his dead brother like at all so that's a that's a little that's a little weird it's it's kind of like nicholas really wanted to point out that the window was open like he really wanted to make that clear so that's a little weird jonah said that she didn't notice the window being open at all because obviously her attention was on harley but also something to note is that harley's bedroom has like a it's a crayon tapestry Like, it's like a tapestry, and it has, like, the Crayola crayons on it. I'm not sure how to explain it, but he doesn't have curtains. They basically have all of the windows covered. Jonah said that they keep the windows covered throughout the house because their neighbors are peeping toms that would look into their windows with fucking binoculars. So, yeah, that makes it even more odd. You know, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Can we just don't do that? Yeah, let's not do that. Don't look in don't look in people's houses with binoculars. That is creepy. But it makes it a little more odd, like with the window being covered, it makes it more strange that Nicholas just immediately noticed the window window. being open because the window was covered. What the fuck? Like the tapestry was a little transparent, like you could see through it, but like it was covered and he just immediately noticed this window being slightly opened. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? His attention and his concern again, was not on Harley. So it's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. So after this, the detectives tell Jonna that Harley's autopsy was still in progress, but that they knew for a fact that he didn't kill himself. They told Jonah that the injuries Harley sustained could not have been self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. So detectives asked Jonah if she thought maybe her boyfriend could be a possible suspect, to which Jonah responded with a very confident no. Right. But when Jonah was asked the same question about Nicholas, she wasn't so sure in her answer. She replied, quote, I wouldn't think that Nick would do it either, end quote. So like her confidence wavered a little bit. Yeah. So detectives, they stopped questioning Jonah and they turned their attention to Nicholas. Detectives start by asking Nicholas to recall his account of events the night before. Nicholas says that everyone went to sleep after watching some horror movies. He said that after he was finished watching Ghostbusters that he went to sleep too. Then he said he woke up at around 11.30 p.m. and he took the dogs out. There are cats and dogs inside the home. I'm not sure how many of each, but Nicholas said he got up, saw the dogs needed to be let out, so he did. He then says after the dogs were let in that he fell back asleep only to wake up again a couple of hours later around 5 a.m. when his alarm woke him up. After his alarm went off, he said he took a shower, found that his grandmother was up, and that's when he went to Harley's door to wake him up only to find that the door was locked and Harley was unresponsive. Nicholas said that he went up to Harley's door and said, quote, Harley, it's time for you to take a bath. End quote. Okay. Two notes of observation that I'm going to add here because I'm giving you my account. You're not actually seeing the interrogation footage. So I just want to point out these two things because I did watch all of it. The first thing being is when you watch this and you hear Nicholas say, Harley, it's time for you to take a bath. He sounded really aggravated when he said Harley's name. Like Mm. he sounded kind of, I don't know, just annoyed. He sounded kind of annoyed. He was like, Harley. You know what I'm saying? Just sounded kind of aggravated. The second thing that I'm going to point out, and it's an early note, but Nicholas did not one time through the entirety of his questioning ever ask how Harley was doing or what happened to him. Wow. He never asked one time about his brother. Didn't even bring it up. So, yeah, it's chilling. 
So when the detectives repeat everything back to him, you know, they're trying to clarify that timeline that he's giving. Nicholas randomly adds, seemingly out of nowhere, that he's a heavy sleeper. Like he just interjected that randomly. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. Okay. Random as hell. And something else that I want to note, too, if you watch this interrogation footage, you're going to see that his speech is very slowed. Like, he's speaking in a very slowed, laid-back fashion. It seems like he's really, really trying to think about what he's saying before he says it. And you heard me mention the Explore With Us video like a thousand times by now, but when they covered this case, they did an extremely well-done, deep analysis of Nicholas's body language and speech throughout Mm -hmm. the interrogation. I love their videos. I love their videos, too. They're so good. But they pointed out in their video that Nicholas's speech and body language seemed to mirror that of teenagers with ASD or autism spectrum disorder. Right. And no, that doesn't have anything to do with him committing the crime. There is no tie between autism and violence. That's just not how it is. And it's not a concrete diagnosis either, but I do like that they pointed out an additional explanation to his behavior and speech right you know it's just it's just speculation but i like that they kind of gave that additional layer to it i just thought it was interesting but continuing with the interrogation nicholas starts to display a pattern where he's giving an excess of details surrounding insignificant things such as his dogs and the types of dogs that they are But when he's asked things directly regarding the death of his brother, he gives a complete lack of detail, almost as if he can't quite remember what happened. So from very detailed to like vague as fuck, right? Right. But he's being extremely detailed about like the non-important things. But (laughs) when it comes to the actual case at hand of what happened, he doesn't have much to say on it. So the detectives are becoming suspicious of Nicholas. They think that he's not being truthful. So after a few slow hours of building some rapport, they start applying some pressure. Okay. So the detective then asked Nicholas for permission to search his room, and she made it very clear that they weren't going to be searching for anything that could, like, embarrass him going through a teenage boy's room. There's just no telling. She reminded him that they were only looking for things that could help explain Harley's death. So when Nicholas was asked if this was okay, he takes a long pause, and then he exhales deeply as he leans forward in his chair, and he just goes, "Mm mm-hmm. What? Yeah, he's just... (sighs) Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so the detective then asked Nicholas if there was anything in his room that he would be afraid of the detective's finding. Right. And his response was, quote, I really haven't trusted people, end quote. Then he goes on to say that his grandmother had gifted him and Harley a baseball bat to use as protection. And then he also adds on that he didn't want anyone to be freaked out by the background photos on his computer, his music, or a video game that he had in his room called Splatterhouse. What? Because evidently the game had like a lot of blood in it. Oh, yeah. So he's like, I just don't want y'all to be freaked out by like, you know, my music, my photos, and Splatterhouse, basically. Uh, what the hell? So the detective reassures Nicholas, again, reminding him that they're not going to look through his games or any of that. They're only concerned with evidence. Right. Anything that could have possibly been used to kill Harley. And this next part with Nicholas's response... I definitely thought it was a little odd. Like, I definitely thought it was odd. But after the detective reassured him that they're only going to be looking for evidence, you know, nothing to worry about with them going through his games or anything, she asked Nicholas specifically if they would find anything in his room that could have been used to kill Harley. Like, she specifically asked that. And Nicholas said yes. What? So she goes, 
okay, what what's in your room? And he said, quote, just the bats, like baseball bats. So what? then, yes, then the detective says, okay, so were the bats used in your brother's death? Is that what you're telling me? And Nicholas says, quote, nope, not as far as I know, because I didn't hear anyone breaking my window to get in, end quote. What? I think that's a little strange. I don't know. It's just kind of strange. So after this, Nicholas goes on to tell this detective that the pants he wore the night before had been stained really heavily with fake blood and that he got mad and threw them away. Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a bit odd. The detectives are getting pretty suspicious of Nicholas at this point. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I'm quiet. I'm just trying to put all this together. It's weird. I don't. I don't know because, you know, going back to his interrogation, like with his speech being very slowed, it seems like he has a hard time expressing himself verbally. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if he's answering the questions this way because he doesn't quite understand like what he's being asked. You know, that that's something to take in. I mean, I don't know, but to to our ears hearing it, it's like, what the fuck? kid (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's just it's weird so confused the detectives get up and leave the room but on their way out nicholas tells them quote oh yeah you might want to get that hole in the wall fixed end quote (laughs) what like that was his that was his commentary so it's just something further to note that his attention seems to be everywhere but on the death of his brother so keep in mind again This entire time, I've said it once, I'll say it again. He hasn't asked once about Harley or what happened to him. He seems to be focusing and giving detail about every single thing he can except Harley. I I don't know. I'm still processing, man. Like, okay, being in an interrogation room, of course, that's going to make you nervous and trip up over yourself in any instance. Right, right. You know, because you're like, why the fuck am I here? (laughs) Right. I can imagine it's pretty intense. Right. But then, like, the skipping around and the details and the vagueness and and then the yes and the no's and, like... (sighs) It's strange. It's very strange. It's very strange. I feel like that meme, my mind is full of fuck. (laughs) You know? My mind so full of fucketh. <laughs> That's really what it feels like, though. God. So, going forward from that point, we're going to start getting into the details of what actually happened to Harley that night. Detectives do eventually get the truth out of Nicholas, and it's not going to be easy to get through. Um, we're definitely going to take things down a few notches from this point. Oh, uh, no. Like I said way, way earlier in the introduction, this is one of the most brutal and savage cases of a child killing another child, more specifically, fratricide. That I've ever learned about, period. Everybody grab a life preserver for your fucking asshole, because we're going <laughs> to need it. Our assholes are going overboard. God, man. It's so bad. Uh, it's really bad. Also, quick shout out to Stephanie. She totally taught me the word fratricide. Yay. And I had no idea. I just, I didn't know it. I didn't know there were so many sides, but evidently there are. So where I left off, the detectives had gotten up and left Nicholas alone in the interrogation room. And after about an hour of Nicholas being in there alone, another pair of detectives come in to question him further. The female detective that interviewed Nicholas earlier was now replaced by a male detective named Jordan. And Jordan immediately reads Nicholas his Miranda rights because he's really about to start applying 
that pressure, asking some more direct questions. You know, they're about to turn up the heat a little bit. Oh, boy. So after reading Nicholas, his Miranda rights, Detective Jordan asked Nicholas if he and Harley were getting along the day before. He's like, you know, did you guys get into a fight? Were you upset with one another? Did Harley seem like he was okay? Like, what was going on yesterday? Right. Nicholas responds by saying that Harley seemed just fine yesterday. He wasn't frowning or seeming down at all. And he said that they didn't argue yesterday, but two days prior, they did get into a fight. So then you still kind of got into a fight. Right. So Jordan was like, well, you know, all right, what caused the fight between you two? Right. And Nicholas says, quote, just something childish, like who could get the last piece of chocolate out of this box, end quote. Then Nicholas explains further that their grandmother, Jonah, had given them a box of chocolate-covered cherries for some Halloween candy, and they were supposed to share it. But Nicholas said that Harley ate most of it, and that that's what caused the argument. And Nicholas denied that the argument was serious. He told the detective that it wasn't that severe, and that in the end, he just let Harley have the piece of chocolate. So he was, like, brushing it off his shoulder, pretty much. So after that... Jordan brought up that when investigators were searching the house, that they found a piece of string tied tightly around one of the cat's necks. And Jonah and her boyfriend denied doing it. So when Jordan asked Nicholas if he had done it, he denies it at first. And the questioning continues. But about 10 minutes later into the interview, Nicholas admits that he did, in fact, do this to the cat. When Nicholas would get angry, he would try. Yeah, extremely, extremely big red flag. When Nicholas would get angry, he would try and strangle the cat to death with string or some other form of ligature. What in the Sam hell is going through this child's brain? Yeah, I mean, torturing torturing animals is not not a good thing. But uh, in this particular instance, Nicholas said that the cat had pissed under his desk on some of his games and stuff. And that's what made him tie the string around the cat's neck. So... Yeah, it's safe to say that he definitely has some issues with expressing his anger, you know, very clearly uh, torturing and trying to kill animals out of anger or enjoyment is not a normal trait. But but that's something to add, like in this slow buildup of getting the truth out of Nicholas, you find out that he also has a thing for getting mad at the animals and torturing them and trying to strangle them with strings or rope or whatever it may be. So, yeah, that's not good. So getting back to the questioning after the whole cat confession jordan just straight up said well obviously you know what happened to your brother last night don't you and nicholas said no so jordan starts becoming really direct in his statements he tells nicholas that they've watched all of the surveillance footage from the night before and that it showed him going outside for a short time walking around the house Mm -hmm. the detective made it clear to nicholas that the only person moving around that house during the entire night was him Then Jordan tells Nicholas that the investigators found a bloodied aluminum baseball bat on the side of the house. It seemed like the bat was thrown into the yard like someone was trying to hide it. Oh, my. A baseball bat. An aluminum baseball bat. Yes. He also said that investigators found the pants he was wearing the night before and that they weren't covered in fake blood, but actual blood. So Jordan is confronting Nicholas with this. And Nicholas says that. He wouldn't know why a baseball bat would be out there. He said that he didn't place it there. And he had no explanation for the bloody pants. So the detective starts 
telling Nicholas after this a little bit about the extent of Harley's injuries. And he says, quote, you know, someone was really, really mad with your brother, Nicholas. His head was beat in and his <gasps> skull was cracked. End quote. Holy shit. And Nicholas didn't really respond to that statement at all. He showed no emotion. He just kind of sat there quietly. No so, emotion, no remorse. Nothing. No, nothing. So then Jordan says, well, let me tell you what I think happened, Nicholas. I think you were pissed at your brother. You went into his room and killed him. And then you walked back and forth from going outside to the bathroom to clean everything up. And I think you hid your bloody pants, hoping no one would find them. Then Jordan says, I know you did this to your brother. I just want to know why. Like, what would make you so angry that you felt that you had to do this? Right. And Nicholas tries one more time to deny everything by saying, quote, I didn't kill him. He tries one more time to be like, no, nah, wasn't me. And it's after Jordan asked Nicholas one more time why he had done this to his brother that Nicholas finally cracked and said, quote, because he always treats me like crap, end quote. Nicholas then tells Jordan that his brother Harley constantly picked on him and called him names. Nicholas even says that he had been afraid of Harley due to him threatening him with weapons. And this very well could be true. Yeah. But this also could be Nicholas trying to offer up some sort of justification for murdering Harley. Right. So ultimately, we won't know. This is just what Nicholas said. And it's after this that the entire truth came out. Nicholas gave every chilling detail so going forward i want to remind you guys uh that the only known motive we have for what happened to harley is an argument over halloween candy so keep that in mind that is the only motive that this can be traced to it's the only thing that nicholas recounted where him and harley fought and got into an argument right so what i'm about to tell you over candy so keep that in mind wow so Nicholas tells Detective Jordan that he was furious at his brother. Nicholas said that he grabbed an aluminum baseball bat and went into Harley's room, shutting the door behind him, making sure that Harley was completely asleep. After a few minutes of standing over his brother with the bat, Nicholas lifted the bat above his head, swinging it down with all of his might onto Harley's skull for the first blow. After that first blow, Nicholas said that he went on to strike Harley in the same fashion 14 more times in oh the head. Oh, my God. Yes, 14 times with the bat. And he said that by the time he was done, quote, my brother's head was making weird noises. So in order to make the noises stop, Nicholas said that he put the bat down, went into the kitchen and grabbed a large kitchen knife, went back into Harley's room and then stabbed him multiple times through his throat. I'm just, oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told you, it's absolutely fucking horrible. I mean, we we have talked about before in several episodes about the strength and the stamina that it takes to do something like this. Right, right. And, it's, and it's, to be so angered that you are just driven to do these types of freaking things like so angry at your brother like i i don't know man i think it's fucking wild this is again one of the most savage cases i've ever heard about in my life this child went into his brother's room beat his head in 15 times with an aluminum bat and then stabbed him through his throat and his neck until the noises stopped basically 
Wow. It is absolutely fucking savage and over candy. Over fucking candy, man. So after Nicholas had brutally killed Harley, he crawled out of Harley's window where he threw the bloodied ball bat into the yard. Then he came back inside, locked Harley's door, cleaned himself and the knife off in the bathroom. He then hid his bloody pants in the laundry room, hid the knife in his computer bag. Then he went to his room and went to fucking sleep. How the fuck can you sleep after that? Yeah, Nicholas brutally murdered Harley, then went to sleep in the next fucking room. And that just, that chills me to my bone. Like, the savagery and the callousness of this is fucking unreal. And to know that he was 16 and Harley was 14, they were children. It is absolutely fucking enraging. After Nicholas confesses, detectives have everything they need. And they tell Nicholas that he's about to be placed under arrest. But the detectives also tell Nicholas that his grandmother and his aunt want to see him before he goes. And they ask if he's okay with that, which Nicholas says yes. And this next part is extremely heartbreaking for me. I mean, I'm going to reference Explore With Us a hundred times. Go watch their video because you'll be able to see what I'm talking about, yeah. actually see it. But, oh man, it's heartbreaking. So... The police let Jonah and Nicholas's aunt into the room, and Jonah immediately walks over to him, grabs him, and hugs him. And uh, his grandmother tells him that she loves him, and that even though she doesn't understand why he got so angry that he had to kill Harley, that she just wanted him to know that she loved him, even though she didn't understand. Wow. And it's like, that display of unconditional love is just something out of this fucking world to me like i could not imagine what jonah was going through that day because that day in one singular day she found her youngest grandson brutally murdered in his own bed and, and then, then she the other one yeah and then she finds out that her other grandson was the one to do it while she was asleep in the next room like she was asleep while it was happening and for her to go through all of this and to be able to hug nicholas and just remind him that he's loved even though she will never understand what made him so angry that he had to do it yeah man it just fucking it's a special kind of strength she suffered the murder of her son because Nicholas and Harley's dad, Ernest, was right. her son. So her son got murdered. Then two years later, one of her grandchildren brutally murdered the other one. So it's like she lost a huge portion of her family. And just watching this part of the video footage just honestly had me fucked up completely. Like, I almost bawled. I seriously almost bawled. And after his family leaves the room, Nicholas is offered some food by the detectives. And then he's left alone to eat. And as soon as Nicholas starts to eat, like he's opening the bag to get his sandwich out, he just sets his food down and he breaks the fuck down. Like he completely breaks down. It's like after he saw his family, his grandmother and his aunt, and he saw the heartbreak. I don't know. I'm thinking the reality and the finality of what he had done was like hitting him, like truly yeah. hitting him. Because I'm telling you, he, he sat in that chair and he cried and he cried. He didn't even touch his food. He just cried. And I'm not trying to, you know, before anybody asks me, I'm not trying to paint a picture in which I want you to necessarily feel sorry for him. But I did think it was interesting to note in most cases when you're dealing with a killer, a sadistic killer or a psychopathic killer, whatever we want to call it, you don't see any remorse or anything regarding the crime that they did. You know, right. you'll see a criminal freak out and cry when they find out they're going to be in prison the rest of their fucking life. Oh, yeah. You'll get a reaction then, but... Before Nicholas's family came in, the detective already told him, like, you're going to jail after this. Like, we're about to arrest you. 
you're going to juvenile hall. Yeah. You're going to be charged with murder. This is very serious. Nicholas didn't react to that. He did not cry about that. He did not have a reaction after that. It was after he hugged his grandmother and saw his family that he broke down. Wow. So I don't really know what to do with that. I just, in my mind, like when I watched it, I felt like he had actually realized what he had done and that his brother was never coming back and that he had permanently broken his family completely. Yeah. And I think that's what tore him up. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm just I'm giving you what I observed as I went through this right, research. Right. It. it would be on November 1st, 2016, that a candlelight vigil was held in honor of Harley at Snyder Park, located in Springfield, Ohio. Mm -hmm. At this vigil, hundreds of people brought flowers and candles to remember Harley and to show their support for his family. Several of his classmates gave speeches about how kind of a human he was and how badly they miss him. Uh, candles were also aligned at this vigil to spell out Harley's name during the speeches and the Aww. candles were lit. It's pretty heartbreaking. And if you look at the photo dump for this episode on Instagram and Facebook, I do have a photo from Harley's vigil that I included if you wanted to see it. It's it's yes. it's heartbreaking. It truly is heartbreaking. So moving on, we're now going to get into the legal proceedings for Nicholas. Nicholas Starling was charged with aggravated murder and tampering with evidence. And he initially pled not guilty by reason of insanity. And even though his defense team tried to get his case dismissed due to his age, the courts decided to charge Nicholas as an adult. In the beginning phase of the trial, Clark County Prosecutor Andy Wilson said that the slaying resembled something of a horror movie and is, quote, the worst child on child crime I have ever prosecuted, end quote. Nicholas's insanity defense would turn out to not be successful either. And in the year 2017, a then 17-year-old Nicholas Starling changed his plea from not guilty to guilty for the charges of aggravated murder and tampering with evidence, and he was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. Wow. Today, Nicholas Starling is serving out his sentence at the Lebanon Correctional Institution located in Lebanon, Ohio, and he is eligible for parole in 2031. And that concludes my coverage of Nicholas Starling. This was a really good episode. Like it's heavy. It's I, really, I really was heavy. Definitely on like one of those trips where you're like trying to figure it out. I literally had math equations flying past my face <laughs> almost the whole episode. Because for some reason, today of all days would be the day that my brain wants to work out every single detail on a case that we don't have that many details for. <laughs> right. So it's just like, what the fuck, brain? Do you guys have oh, days like that? Because I totally have days like that. I think we all have days like that. But, you know, uh, what I was saying earlier about how this case just kind of hit home to me in a few ways, there's that aspect I talked about earlier with, you know, the parallels of me losing my dad and trying to imagine how they felt. Mm -hmm. But another aspect of it that really made this case hard for me is I'm a big brother. Right. I only have one other sibling. Uh, he's younger than me. And we're not exactly close. Uh, our lives just kind of went in different directions. Yeah. But thinking about, you know, when we were younger, growing up together with my brother, how close we were. And did we fight? Oh, my fucking God. We fought. Like, I definitely we, fought my brother. We fought so bad. Like, we would really get into it. But I could not imagine being so angry at him. 
to brutally kill him in su- in such a horrific, savage, just awful way over nothing. Because I'm sorry, there's never a reason that warrants you to do that to somebody. Yeah. Like, ever. Point blank, period. So, like, trying to put myself in the big brother position, I, I just, oh, man, I don't know. It's just a whole complicated little bubble of emotions <laughs> that I went through with like this. Like, you're the big brother. I have a big brother, and he's four years older than me. Mm-hmm. And boy, did we fight. Right, we we right. would fight so bad that mom would have to be called at work, and she would come home and be like, what the fuck? Right, right, but, right. right. But, Again, you know, me and him do have a close relationship, and I would be completely devastated if anything happened to him. And I'm sure he feels the same about you. You know, and it's it's just thinking about this case and resonating, like, with your own relationships with your siblings. It's just, ooh, it's, 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 it's a nightmare fuel. fuck ton of stomach dropping through your ass. Because, like, again, there's no known motive for this crime when you... Over Halloween candy. Over Halloween candy. Over a piece of chocolate. Like, literally. I mean, clearly there's an overlying issue there with Nicholas, but, like, it's just fucking chilling, man. I don't know. I felt like this story needed to be covered. I haven't seen a lot of coverage for it. I just absolutely hate it. And it. I'm very sorry, guys, because literally all my reactions was, wow, like Owen Wilson or something. <laughs> just, wow. You or, did. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you did. Just fine. So with all that being said, we're going to wrap up today, you guys. If you would like to follow me and Ray and all of our weird... Well, great news. You can totally do that. Find us on Facebook at... Gore Report, a true crime podcast. On Instagram. At Gore Report Podcast. And Twitter. At Gore Report. Squidward sounds sick right now. <laughs> he does. Like, what is up with you, Squidward? What is up? Squidward is coming back, I promise. And so, yeah, I am never sharing any of my Halloween candy with anybody ever anymore. I will hide it. I will bury it out in the backyard away from everyone. I'm telling you, because honestly, it ain't that serious. Lord <laughs> Jesus, please don't kill someone over fucking Halloween candy. Jesus, fuck. Please and until next time. <gasps> bye. bye.